0: I told one of my athletes the other day, if you're training legs and you're on the leg press, uh, you cannot get hurt on a leg press, unless you're a complete fucking idiot. You cannot get hurt on the leg press. When you finish this set, I literally want you to like look at your girlfriend and be like, dude, like, am I okay? Like, am I like, am I okay in the head? What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordai Podcast. I'm your host, Mahaley, and I have a banger of an episode for you today. I have Ross Flanagan, the Sauce Boss, and Dom Cardone on the podcast. We we dive so deep. We dive deep into orals. We dive deep into Peak Week, into different diuretics, into different methodologies, to things we've learned from our mentors over the years. This was a phenomenal episode. You absolutely want to have your notepads ready. Are you ready for this? Are you sure you're ready for this? <laughs> if you're not, get ready. Because this coming. I'll see you inside. You guys, you guys, you guys. I'm very, very excited for this one. When I started the podcast, um, let's see, three, coming up on three years ago. Actually, by the time this one comes out, um, this will be about three years and two weeks old. Um, I started the podcast and... At the time, I didn't like have this huge name as like any sort of bodybuilding coach or anything, but I had this goal. I had this vision that I wanted to bring on big-name bodybuilding coaches, people who I align with, people who I believe in, people who are consistently cranking out top-tier results. And today, I'm extremely excited to have Dom Cardone on the podcast. Dom, welcome to the Grower Eye podcast. How are we doing, brother?
1: Good. Doing awesome. Doing awesome. I, uh, like I said before, I was actually watching your guys uh, – episode the other day and i was admiring the the setup and everything so it's uh, it's cool to be here with yeah you
0: i appreciate that and we are joined by a longtime athlete of dom and someone you guys are very familiar with he needs no introduction the last time he was on the first thing he said was steroids ross the sauce boss flanagan what the fuck's happening dude how you doing
2: Nothing, man um dom and i have been together for five fucking years.
0: That's the longest relationship. That's that's about five times longer than the longest relationship I've had in my life. So you guys are really killing it. <laughs> so Ross, let me first start with you. Dom's obviously your guy. You you you've I knew who Dom was before you and I were tight. I've been watching Dom since uh back in the day when when he used to coach Nick Walker, and Dom's been a big time coach, you know, really ever since then, just really dialing people in. But Ross. You and I discuss this often. We've discussed on the podcast previously. When you just click with an athlete and things really get in that flow, that's when the special stuff starts happening. What people don't understand, the first year you're together is all learning. Year one to year two is exponentially greater on the coaches and athletes in year two to year three is another big jump three to four, four to five, five to six. The longer you're with somebody, look at Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, right? Like this shit isn't by accident. This stuff happens because that time's put in. So Ross, what was it about Dom that has driven you for five years that has kept you so loyal by his side? Obviously the results speak for himself, but there's a psychological component to this. I would love for you to talk about.
2: Man, dude, he just—he knows my body inside and out. Like the, he knows my brain. Uh, Sounds a gay. Yeah, he's, he's, like,
0: <laughs> he's
2: been in my he has been in my body so many times.
0: Wow, we're getting really gay in here. All right, let's open it up. <laughs> OnlyFans. Um,
2: <laughs> no, he just, dude. It's like I call him the Belichick of bodybuilding yeah. because he's not—he's not fancy. Yeah, but almost. E- a high majority of his decisions are, are the right decisions. I don't think anything that he's ever done was like, dude, we shouldn't have done that. Uh, The, the, uh, the infamous um, edibles and uh, vodka thing was just a, it was just, it wasn't his, it wasn't on a coach thing. It was just a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, So he just doesn't miss dude. He just does not miss. Yeah. And
0: I, I, I can also second that Dom before Ross continues here, what I look for in a coach I don't give a shit who your big names are. Your big names can swap around and go to anybody and be coached by anyone and they're going to hit, right? I give a shit about what are you doing with the, with the Jimmys and the Joes? What are you doing with the backups? What are you doing with the guys who need to come off the bench when their number is called type situation, right? That's what separates Belichick, right? Belichick never had these big-time receivers you know, before Randy Moss. All these receivers went to Belichick, and they were made by him. And, Dom, I've watched you hit on people that have no business being hit on. I, I, I watch you hit on people that don't have the ability. They don't have what it takes from a DNA standpoint to get you know to where they want to go. And so I I, I I didn't mean to cut you off, Ross. I want you to continue after this point. I just want to more so show my appreciation for Dom because I know how hard that is to hit on people who have no business being hit. But Ross, continue uh, with what you were saying before I take it over to Dom.
2: Yeah, just one last point. Our first prep in 2018 for the North Americans, I messaged him. I was like, dude, my goal, I don't... I don't care about being a pro. I don't want a pro card. I just want shredded glutes. Yeah, and that prep was the hardest prep I've ever done. I remember I alluded to, alluded to this a couple of times on our podcast, uh, Justin. I cried on the stairmaster to goob about three times. I was completely. I could not function completely, just dead. But he, I had to go through that wall of, yep. of shreddedness, and then that takes us to year five or year four. The prep for Indy was almost a joke. Like it was so fucking easy. I think we did like 40, 40 minutes of cardio at the max. And I was shredded like eight weeks out of the show. I was like, this is, this is a joke. So for all you listeners out there that want to pursue bodybuilding, stay with a good coach for a long, long time. The first prep is going to be horrible, but if Mm -hmm. you keep on doing and progressing, keep adding tissue, your body's just going to be thriving in the prep.
0: So, Dom, this brings me up to another point. There, there was there's a pivot, there was two big parts of of my prep. Um, one I've shared with Ross and the podcast many times. I want to share it with you because you're the one who gave this to Ross. Ross told me in my prep, so I'd won overalls before, I'd won two overalls before this last show. And the goal wasn't necessarily my goal was similar to Ross's. I felt like I was gonna win the overall period, which I didn't end up getting to do so. But my goal was I want national level conditioning. Like, I want conditioning that when you walk out, it's like, fuck, like that, that, that was good. Ross told me something about six, seven weeks out of my prep. He said, if you get walnut glutes this go round, every time you want them, it's going to be so much easier. They're also going to stick around in, you know, after your prep. And, you know, this morning I was 267 for the first time this offseason and I still have glute lines and I've never had these over 240. And I took Ross's words and I really took that to heart. I was like, dude, if, if, cause I see Ross do it, I see Ross get huge in the offseason. He still has some glutes and some hands, right? So there was also a point in my prep where, you know, it's I'm, I'm at a cool place with bodybuilding now that it's like, of course, I would love to have Tyler Mannion's validation. But when I was prepping and I was getting validation from guys like yourself, you know, you, I don't know if you remember this. You you messaged me. Yeah. You messaged me when I posted a shot and you were like, damn, you look really good. Like that meant a lot to me because you're like, I don't tell people they look good. And I know you don't tell people that, that they look good. I have a two, a double sided question for you. The first one's a hypothesis. Dom, why do you believe that once we get those walnut glutes for the first time, what is the predisposition? What changes in our chemistry? What do you think? It's a hypothesis. We have no research on this. It's, it's This is a guess. What do you think is going on that changes to just make those hang in there and come back easier afterwards?
1: You know, I actually – so. The beginning stages of my coaching career,
0: yeah,
1: wasn't able to get anybody's glutes in. My dad was my first client. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It took years, and me and him had this. He was, like, I need glutes, I need glutes, and then even with my clients, I need to get my clients to have glutes because uh, being raised in, in New York, I followed whatever Steve Weinberger would tell me to do. Yeah, and his things were legs, back, and conditioning. Um, so obviously, whenever I showed up on stage, I brought the best conditioning I could legs, decent back. But for years I I couldn't get those glute lines in with clients. So I decided to take a step back and really understand the concepts of what flat is, what full is, you know, feeding the metabolism, all the things that go into it. Um, I'm trying not to go down too many rabbit holes,
0: but we can go down them if you want.
1: (laughs) I've always always put it like this, like every, every prep, is a step in a ladder, and I'm going to break things down simply. I hate getting too scientific and yeah. all that shit. That's not that's not the way I like to talk. Yeah. So every prep is a step in a ladder. So Ross is first. He never I, I never forget. He said he just wanted glutes. Yeah. I looked at all his past pictures. He was never in shape. He told me what he did. I seen what he was doing. the Time I said okay, he needs to dig to get to that level, and he did. Play second in North Americans. Believe he won an overall, but he was fucking peeled. Mm-hmm. Small peeled but once that level is reached i call it fat loss memory i don't know what that's just the first thing that always pops into my head and when you have an athlete that hits that level it's easier to hit that level next time and then you got to push a little bit more to get a bit more further than that but also too like ross has brought up the more muscle tissue you add through time it's going to be easier to come in shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, water manipulation at the end becomes a little more complicated with, complicated with some guys as it's more levers to pull be, versus being a smaller guy. Um, but the body has this way of adapting to fat loss and almost like it like remembers in a prep. And what I have to say too is it also comes down to the athlete. If you're just somebody that gets into a show, gets in, let's say you get those shredded glutes and then you fuck off in the off season and get fat, it's not going to be that... It's not. It's going to be hard to get it again. So obviously, in a lot of Ross's past off seasons, he did put on excess fat. Mm-hmm. It was because in that phase in time, he had to. Mm-hmm. He was not two sixty in shape as he is now two sixty five. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at the old school guys; they they got out of shape through time. But after those periods of time, they were leaner, leaner. Look at Jay. Yeah. Look at his offseason. and throughout his career, he got leaner and leaner and leaner. It's just having that much muscle and also to actually training hard, your body's going to, it's not going to put on fat that easy. So obviously once you get into that prep, it's like you're, once you're consistent year round, which Russ is, which most people are not, it's like the body has a way of just remembering, oh shit, we can do this again. Now, if obviously if somebody's health is off in some way, insulin resistance, whatever, other factors can come into that. But if it's a healthy person, they've been keeping track of their health for the most part, inflammation. They can get back to that level pretty damn easy and then reach a new bar and then reach a new bar. And you always set that bar higher. Like for me, my first show was when I was 16. I looked great for a 16-year-old. I placed in the open and uh, men's classes, but I didn't, wasn't shredded. Mm-hmm. I still had baby fat on me. Um, and also, too, muscle maturity comes into play in age as well with conditioning. So as somebody gets older and they mature... The skin gets a little thinner. You know, they're staying leaner. metabolic rate goes up a little more muscle. So then when I was 18, I did the Eastern USA. I finally had glutes, feathered Mm -hmm. quads, 19, teen nationals. I was a way step above ahead. But every prep, I always pushed for more, pushed for more. It was easy. And then obviously when I was 21, um, I won the Easton's and then my pro card uh, under Chad. But, you know, it's like the body has a – once you get the body programmed, Mm -hmm especially year-long, like Ross is locked in year-long. I feel you can program the body to do whatever it wants to. There are times it may fight back, but that's when the coach or whoever has to look at things and go, why is the body fighting back? Let's adjust things. So once it's programmed, you can do whatever the fuck you want with it. Either you're a competitive bodybuilder, uh, a fighter, a football player, whatever it is, when it comes to performance and even the physique, you can program it to do whatever you want. So that's another thing, too, I feel is very important is keeping that consistency in the offseason, working with the coach so he can see the fluctuations and things. So then when it comes time to lock things in again, it's easy. And then let's raise that bar yet again. So it's like the body has a way of programming itself. As long as we don't fight against it and don't force things too much, then you can always, always get better. Um, You know, I feel it's easier to get in shape for a show. For the most part, than it is to put muscle on and stay lean. Like
0: most people today, absolutely. They- I, I one hundred. I want to double down on that. Hundred percent, Dom. Hundred percent. It, it's it's easy. I mean, but but can, can 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 we can we dive into? There's some things that you mentioned. We could do the entire podcast off of this prelude that you just gave us. There, we might we might not get into any of my talking points beyond this one because there's a lot to unpack here. You're talking about how the body's programming, and I can't. I, it, that clicks something in me. Our body really is like a hard disk. What your hard disk on your computer, as you're downloading applications, as you're adding more, um, you know, modulations to whatever you are using, your hard disk saves all these things, and it's easier to, you know, pull them up and find them because it's all organized right there on the computer, right? Our body's doing the same thing. I've been watching Ross since he won that Adela that you're talking about right before he did north americans and before nationals um that was the first time i saw ross and you know at that time social media was a little bit different not everyone was posting a lot of training stuff at the time i think training videos have really kind of come around uh, around that times when they started but i'm watching ross's training effort and i've trained with ross a few times and it had a large impact on my overall uh, um, ability to train and what you're talking about people stay lean and they're not able to take this unbelievable training effort, they're not able to apply that when they're lean. There's a cutoff for it. You know, When you're lean, even if you're being fed up, like Ross is talking about the Indy Pro, like he said that, that that prep was a joke. Yeah, I still saw this guy in the gym struggling, but it didn't fucking matter because he was going to go in and he was going to give his absolute best effort to the training I would take his posing pictures for him often after the session and he's hitting his best effort in the posing shots. He would watch the video. And he'd be like, no, no, we need it like down an inch. I need the camera like right down here. Like the effort and the, the the degrees that Ross was going to, and Ross's goal isn't to win. Ross's goal is to bring his all-time best and show up on stage into something that he's proud of. And through that, eventually it's going to transpire and to win on the pro stage for you guys. But the training component behind this people have an emotional attachment to the effort they're giving in the gym because people Ross taught me my two hours in the gym is my two hours in the gym. And that's a day in itself. There's like my day and then there's the training session and that training session. If the rest of my day has zero energy because of that training session, that's okay because I have a job to do here for myself right now in this training session to force muscle growth, to force muscle stick around. People won't apply that. People want to like conserve their energy for other facets of the day. And people are going to listen to this podcast. Like, Well, it's easy to say like, you work from home, you work from your phone. Me and Dom, I don't know about your schedule. Me and Ross are busy as fuck. We, we need energy the rest of the day too. But we exert all of it that we have in our training session. And so – Ross, I want you to talk about the mentality of that training and then Dom, I want to continue with you You, you, you I want. I think you're the youngest IBB pro ever to turn pro in open bodybuilding um, and so I, I want to chat about that with you, but Ross, you're going into a training session, you're three weeks out of the ND Pro, I'm seeing the striations in your lower back, I'm seeing the hamstrings come up, the glutes are really separating and you went in and just gave it fucking hell, even if you didn't have all the energy in the world, what do you think about when you're training? Like, where do you go?
2: Dude, if you don't get fucking addicted to seeing those striations, like if that doesn't pump you up, whether you have, you know, a quarter tank of gas in your engine, if that doesn't psych you the fuck up, like I cannot wait to see my body in the gym right now. I'm about to train legs. I'm about to see my quads feathered, my hamstrings, you know, striated. I cannot wait to fucking push. And then in the back of your head for me, when I'm like sort of redlining, Justin, yeah, uh, on this uh, a term I I started using like a redline in your car with the RPMs. Most people don't go to that redline; they just like hover back here. Um, when I'm in that redline mode, and I know that if I push it a little bit more, then I'm going to wake up a little bit leaner or a little bit more inflamed. But once that inflammation comes down, I'm going to be drier. Mm-hmm. And I know that when I send check-ins to Dom, he's going to be like, mm-hmm. "You you're did your job.
0: There. Mission accomplished. Yep.
2: You're doing what you're doing it." And if if that doesn't, so I, that's all I think about. I don't think about how tired I am or how hungry I am. Back in the day, I would fixate on those emotions. Yeah. But now I fixate on the the actions and the tasks and sort of like the the future because I know if I do that, then it's going to land me to. What i want to accomplish
0: so i think there's a really good point to unpack here when i got into my reverse phase this was the first reverse that i ever nailed and what ross was talking about if you're not addicted to those striations oh i became completely addicted to them in my prep so in the reverse phase it was easy to hit the food it was easy to hit the cardio but the biggest item now that there's more body fat on me i still have striations i have quad striations. i have back striations i have some nasty tricep striations When I'm in my training session, I'm thinking about I've got to get as big as possible while keeping these striations, so I have to fucking mail it on these sets. I have to go to a place where – I told one of my athletes the other day, if you're training legs and you're on the leg press, uh, you cannot get hurt on a leg press unless you're a complete fucking idiot. You cannot get hurt on the leg press. When you finish this set, I literally want you to, like, look at your girlfriend and be like, dude, like, am I okay? Like, am I, like, am I okay in the head? Because you took it that far. So, Dom, what, what's fascinating to me about you, and, again, before you and I had ever spoken on social media, unfortunately, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person. That, that'll change this year. Um, I was amazed. You turned pro at Nationals, the hardest show to turn pro at. As a 21-year-old, super heavy, right? Were you super heavyweight or heavyweight? Heavyweight. You turned pro in the heavyweight class as a 21-year-old. That's, you know, some some years that's the hardest class to turn pro in. And arguably, it's at worst the second hardest class in the entire NPC and all of bodybuilding to turn pro in. How in the world did you have this discipline at that age? Because what people are going to hear, oh, he, he was a genetic freak. He was XYZ. He was, you know, whatever. How in the fuck did you have the discipline? Where was your mind at? 21-year-olds are partying, and you are obtaining your professional status in bodybuilding, not classic physique, not men's physique, all due respect, not bikini, and fucking bodybuilding. What was that like? Like, what were you doing? So
1: I do, I have to give credit to my dad. Yeah. You know, I, I was, I don't want to say forced. Yeah, we were forced to work at the age of six, so doing construction and concrete. So if we wanted something, we had to go work for our dad. Yeah. You know, we had to earn money. So from a young age, you know, there was no really, if you want something, you have to go and earn it. Yeah. And then I got into football eventually. And then he pushed me in football. And then I'll never forget my first uh, weight training. So, no matter what I did when I was a kid, either it was skateboarding, football, gaming. Like I was, it sounds ridiculous, but I w- I had to get obsessed and make sure I was disciplined to whatever it was. Even fucking gaming as a kid, I wanted to yep. be a professional gamer. But no yep. matter what I did, so going into my sophomore year of high school, playing football, they wanted me at fullback. Um, the first day they bring us in the weight room right before the summer, and we they didn't show us anything. So I walk in and I see a, a leg extension, leg press. So I get a leg extension first. First thing I ever trained in my life was legs. Yeah, I start fucking ripping them. No <laughs> idea what I was doing. Just ripping them. It just was my best body part later on. Go figure. Leg press, squats. I couldn't walk for the next two days and go to school. My mom didn't want me to do this shit anymore. My teardrop started developing a week later. But I had that feeling. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what was that? So for the next few weeks, we trained in the gym. We fucked off a little bit, whatever. And then I was researching, how can I get stronger? How can I get bigger? I discovered bodybuilding, seeing what everybody was doing. I was like, I think I could do this. So this start, I mean, it goes all the way back to my childhood, but even my first month into training, I think mean, I feel I could do this bodybuilding thing. And right away I started dieting. I started training. I started making my own training schedule. I mean, there was no, I would, there was school and there was training. There was yeah. nothing else. That's all I wanted to do. And when I wasn't doing homework, which I rarely did anyway, I would <laughs> go on bodybuilding forums and research as much as I could. So that's how it just started at a young age. And thankfully, though, I had mentors from when I was 15. My best friend, Mike, he owns Condemn Labs. He was 23 or 24. He took me under his wing into gym. He introduced me to my first coach, who was Fackery. Um, and then I started meeting all the bodybuilders in New York. So I was around, like, big, fuck, true bodybuilders. Not, not like these fucking people today. Yeah nitty gritty fucking bodybuilders at a young age. And I started seeing, so I started training that way. And then eventually my dad got into bodybuilding at my first show. And then we were beating the living fuck out of each other. Yeah. You have to say when I met Oscar Arden, when I was getting ready for team nationals, he prepped me for team nationals. That's when I seen the level I had to go in the gym to get to that level. I mean, there I, there was nobody on this planet, nobody who will push you in the gym harder than Oscar Arden. Okay. No, nobody goes, no matter what you were training, whether it was arms, delts, or fucking abs, all the way up to legs, you had a feeling going to his gym, you were going to get fucked up. What are some and things you- he
0: did, Dom? What are some things, was it psychological? Was it intensifiers? What, what, what are some things he did that just took it next level?
1: So that, it was... The, the big psychological component of it, you know, visualizing everything was about visualizing, either it be on a large scale, like wanting to turn a pro and going to Olympia down to what are you doing during the day? You know, eating this meal at this time. What am I going to do during training today? Being in the moment in training, like you were just telling how Ross is that like nothing else exists. Even when I would go do a set. I was very in the zone. I would get very, I mean, now I don't know if I think getting angry was the best thing, but I would get very intense mm-hmm. to myself and he'd whisper in my ear, you know, I would never forget, you know, imagine oh, this next year, this is gonna this every leg session is gonna add up. This set he he knew there was some personal things too. He knew to tell me to get me amped up. Yep. But you had no choice but to go in there and give your all and then some. If you weren't on the floor or stuck in his office for an hour after training, you weren't training hard. And if and if you quit, you weren't welcome to the gym anymore. Mm-hmm. You were gone. He didn't want that bullshit, no matter how much you paid him or not. So going through all that with him and being able to see the psychological level that he instilled in Kai, in Desmond Miller, Orville Burke, all the guys that he trained, he instilled in me. So from a young age, I seen this and I put it into action and then team nationals and then eventually turning pro. So seeing at a young age how hard do you need to push to go to a next level how can i keep raising the bar on myself because you know anybody can reach a reach a level and stay there but how much more can i raise that bar how much more can i raise that bar and it was just all those people instilled those instilled those things in me at a young age and that's what really stuck so my preps were never really hard when i was doing concrete and i had to prep yeah it was fucking hard but i didn't give a fuck at eight nine 10 o'clock at night. I was going to train. I was up in the morning doing party and off to a job site. So it was just instilled in me at a young age about, you know, it was much more than bodybuilding for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about, yeah, sure. I wanted to turn pro and get to Olympia stage, but it was about making myself into something that I envisioned as a child, mm-hmm. you know, and I always aimed to be the best, the best in whatever it is that I can do and be the best version of whatever it is that I can do. And it sucks to see how people today, they talk, but they don't fucking do it. They don't want to back
0: it up. They're, they're operating with too much emotion.
1: And that's the thing too. Like it's, they're they're not having fun with it. They're putting all this emotion. They're talking, they're posting social media, but when it comes to the gym or eating their food or whatever it is, they're not backing it up. And I lived to do that. Did I have fun throughout my teen years? Absolutely. But I did not have fun unless I made sure I did everything I was supposed to do. So that was the thing. It was instilled in me as, as a young age, and uh, you know, everything revolved around bodybuilding for me. You know, work revolved around bodybuilding for me, mm. life revolved around bodybuilding for me. That was what I needed to do. And I didn't expect to turn pro at 21. I didn't want to do nationals till I was 25 or 26, especially back then. It was it was very competitive. But uh when I won the Easterns, Chad was like, listen, let's go to National in two weeks. I was like, Okay, sure, let's do it. And uh it happened to work out, but yeah, it was just uh it was
0: instilled in me at a very young age that Ross, I, th- I think you had something to add real quick before I get onto the Chad talk.
2: Yeah, uh Dom, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Uh see if your memory can recall. Um, two questions. How often are you finding yourself as a coach having to to push your athletes to the next level?
1: So honestly, it's way too often. Okay. And it's it's way what I have to say is throughout the years, I guess the quality of even lifestyle and competitors I get has gone up each every year, up every year. Years ago, I was like, "What the fuck's going on here?" <laughs> but you know, today it's like you know, I see them. They if they send me training videos, it's like, "What the fuck is this?" You know, I see them on Instagram posting I'm like, "What? What are you doing? Like, what the fuck is going on?" And so now it's gotten to a point where it's like, you know, why. I open my mouth to a lot of people and it's like, I'm talking to the wall, you know, it, it's with a lot of people and I don't like to put myself on a pedestal or talk, I try to be superior to somebody, but what the fuck you paid me? Like, just listen to what I'm telling you. You're not, doing, you're not doing what you're supposed to do.
2: Now off the top of your head, can you recall any clients that you identified, Hey, you need to push harder and you push them harder and they actually do it.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, Howard, I will say him open. I'm sure he's going to watch, you know, Howard, not the mm-hmm. most blessed guy, but when I told him you need to dig down, he did. So I remember the last show he did, he came and absolutely fucking peeled. Yeah. He, was, he was always fat as hell. But anytime I gave him an assignment and told him, listen, you got to step it up a little bit. Let's fucking do it. You were one of those people, which is very rare. You always did what you're supposed to do, but I remember there being certain times, okay, let's push a little more. That's all I had to say. You went and took it a whole nother level. So there were a few people that I had to do that too, but unfortunately there's a lot of people that, okay, coach, I'll do it. And then they don't, you know, I'm trying to jog my memory on, on who else
0: really. I, I, um, I think something that frustrates the shit out of me, and I know you guys can both relate to this and. Dom, it's, it's interesting. I, I follow a similar path as you. Like every year, it's like the athletes I'm getting are a lot better, much, much better caliber, further along, better foundation, greater understanding. The issue is, Dom, it's something I'd like to talk to, to you about actually. So I'm at the point now where I, I, I get a lot of IFBB competitors. IFBB competitors, it's a double edged sword. I remember when I didn't have many. I was like, man, I'd love to work with pro bodybuilders and now you've got pro bodybuilders and you have to almost, we talked about the hard disc. They continue downloading all these things throughout their journey and now I need to go in and edit this hard disc because they're sending training videos for the first time or they're coming off PEDs for the first time, more so a female than a male. They're coming off PEDs for the first time or they're finally being held accountable for the first time or I'm looking at their stage shots, even if they've been pro for four years, I'm looking at the stage shots like you've cheated on every diet you've ever had, and they're finally being caught out for the first time. And you have to like reprogram these individuals. It's much easier. Look, I, I got a guy who I got started up today. His name's Gabriel, and he's going to be a superstar. He's 270 pounds already. Six foot tall, 270 pounds on his like. He, he's he's good. He's going to be really fucking good, and not fat at all. This guy, I get to choose what gets downloaded into his program, and this is going to be the easiest thing of all time. I've got these people that you've got to go in and edit all of these things, change the way that their mindset works, but I want to always be as respectful as possible because I don't want to be like, hey, everything you've learned from your last coaches was wrong. That's not true. None of us are right. None of us are wrong. It's just we have our methods. Do you find yourself having to like reprogram these people or worse, people like learn from Instagram or they learn from fucking, you know, TikTok or whatever. Right. How do you go about reprogramming these people? How direct and to the point are you with being like, Hey, what you know is not adequate, like forget all that shit and like do this. How do you usually approach that situation? So that I
1: try to be respectful and it obviously depends on the, the individual you're talking to. I mean, you can see over time, you can see how they take the criticism and having to reprogram things so with some people, you have to be straight. You have to be straight up. Listen, you've never come in fucking shape. Yeah. Pro or not pro, like what you've been doing is, not has not been working. So let's try this. Let's do this. You like, there's some people that need the proof, especially in today's society, everything's fucking sugarcoated. Mm-hmm. Most of these coaches lie to who
0: they're, who, who they're coaching just to keep them on as a client. They lie to get a sign up or lie to keep that monthly rate. Fuck that
1: no dude no if I, if I i doesn't matter what you're paying me i cannot lie to you no. and if you can't take my opinion of what i feel is is the truth then maybe we should not work together and that's the thing too a lot of these people have become very callous at taking opinions because they're so set in their ways i remember there was a pro i worked with last year the year before whatever it was and He stopped a week out. It turned out to be a whole thing. He went and carved up on fucking McDonald's and was bragging. There was 280 on stage. He came in dead last. I actually know this guy. What the fuck? Yes, you do. And I remember talking to him after because I was pissed at the way he left off this relationship. Going to the gym to see him in person, this and that. And I was like, what you're doing is not working. And he was, well, no, no, no. What you're doing is not working. You are not in shape. I go, you were not in shape. What you're doing in the gym is not working. None of this is working. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to hear it. And uh I will never forget that really sticks out in my head of people being stuck in their own ways. But you know, it's just with the communication, what I feel is upfront honesty and being as straightforward as possible is going to be the direct way to get through that fucking wall. Yeah. I can't sit here with a with, you know, let me scratch this. Oh.
2: Screenshot that.
1: <laughs> Let me just punch right through the wall. Just, <laughs> just punch right through the wall. Yeah. Let pour as much shit in there as you can. And as the grant, like, like that was always me. Yep. Like, if you want to get to me, just tell me what it is. Don't beat around the bush. Either it be bodybuilding or life, whatever it is. Fucking tell me. You're not yep. going to hurt my feelings. If you hurt my feelings, it's for the
0: best. Yep. You know, people need to. Feelings hurt, especially in today's day and age. So I put it sounds like I put, I put some on Instagram, what, like, uh like two or three weeks ago, I put on there if it takes you more than like two sentences in writing or like 15 seconds talking to get to your fucking point, your communication sucks. And like that, that's what I love about Ross. And, you know, I, I knew that Dom would click on it too, because you're from the Northeast. You guys are fucking ruthless up there. Like, you're going to know the point as soon as I open my mouth, you're going to know the point. And then I'm going to elaborate on that point thereafter. And we're going to like drill this fucking thing in because I wasting time, nothing fucking pisses me off in this planet worse than wasting time. And to your point, I tell my whole staff, I tell every single one of them, if you got a client that's not cutting it, get rid of them. Why? Because the culture that you're setting is only as strong as the weakest link on your entire team. And if you have this super weak link, but you've got 100 clients and you've got one weak link, that weak link is how strong your roster is, period. So your top athlete, even though this athlete has nothing, is never posted, isn't active and in, in terms of social groups within your team is nothing. That weakest link is still taken away from the strongest link that you have. And, you know, the strongest links I have are all like Olympia caliber individuals. And I can't have these weak links taken away from them, right? People are so scared to like kick people off the team or people are so scared to be like, no, actually like you can't compete. Like you're not ready to compete. You don't have conditioning to compete or, you know, whatever it might be. So I want you to get into I want to talk about Chad Nichols. The reason being, I've never chatted with anyone who trained with him. Um, I would love to hear some Xs and Os. I would if that's possible, if there's anything you're comfortable sharing, but I want to hear what that experience was like. Chad Nichols is And arguably, I mean, at worst, he's the second best bodybuilding coach of all time. You know, he and Hani Rambot, I think Hani has like 23 Olympias and Chad has like 21 or something like that. Like that's unbelievable considering I don't even have 21 people I've turned pro yet. I'm getting close, but I don't even have 21 people I've turned pro yet and they won 21 Olympias. Like that's insane to me. You worked with Chad Nichols. Share. Share the deeds. So I think
1: I, you know, Chad, he's been in and out of coaching over the last few years. We see him, come, we see him go. I caught him at a time where he was looking to come back in. And for me to even get in touch with him, I had to get in touch with two people. I'm like, can you please hook me up with Chad? I I had this feel because I tried to go to somebody else. They never answered my email. And so I got in touch with Chad. I remember we started May. Yeah, we started May 2014. Uh, uh, Yeah, 2014. I turned pro uh, November 2014. And uh, he was one of the most upfront, straightforward people I have ever worked with. I never got a compliment. I did never got one. I never – there was no going back and forth with him about bullshit. It was business, and that was it. And I love that. And I took him more serious that way. So when he told me to do something, I fucking did it. There was no – he was no bullshit whatsoever. Um, you know, during the process, we even had a few phone calls. I remember he was just very, like, very, like, on it, on it. Like, it was, you could just hear in the tone of his voice, like, how he was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the off-season was good. The off-season was more lax, which I didn't need my handheld anyway. I, I felt in the off-season there could have been a bit more attention, which, you know, it's that's just, I guess, one of, I don't want to call it a negative, something I would have liked to have done different personally. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I did grow a tremendous in those months in the off-season. Um, But then when we went into prep, it was really like everything, every call he made worked. Yeah, Nothing didn't work. Um, And he was very on top of communication. I mean, looking back now with the knowledge I have, as weird as it sounds, there would have been some things I've done differently, like with my salt and my gear and my food. Just in that moment, obviously it worked to turn pro, but that's just me being nitpicky. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was absolutely very easy to work with, very straightforward to work with. A little on the extreme side with the uh, with the gear, which yeah. I don't want to get numbers, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, at, at least at the time, it was extreme for me. I was like, whoa, you know. Yeah. Um. So some things were dialed back a little bit. With the carb up, it was kind of, it was the most intense carb up. Of, I mean, there's public stuff out there about it now. There was way, way too many switches being turned. Okay. You know, a backtone, fucking cytodrine. Yeah. Uh, What's that- cytodrine? So oh, you never heard
0: of cytodrine? I've, I've never heard of cytodrin.
1: It's old school. So cytodrine, it actually shuts down all the stress hormones in your body. It shuts down everything. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to feel like death, you take cytodrine. What's the but benefit it, of it? it? Honestly, dude, I could have did without it. But it does get you a lot harder and a lot fucking drier. Really? Like, incredibly. Yeah. I'm not going to go into all the mechanisms of how it yeah. works. They don't even make it. It, w- it was originally made for Cushing syndrome.
0: Yep. Got it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So they don't even make it anymore. Well, You guys got me?
0: Yeah, yeah. I got
1: you. Okay. It froze a little bit. So I remember the, they didn't, at the time, they didn't make it. And there was actually a very, very, very top Olympian who had one more bottle of it. And- he gave it to me, and it, was, it felt pretty good because it was one of my favorite bodybuilders. So that was in the mix. There was a lot of ups and downs, in the peaks. Like he would perfectly, he would purposely spill me and then clean me up, spill me and clean me up. But thinking back, I don't even think I needed all that because at a week, I looked fucking great. I mean, it worked, and it almost didn't work because I remember going on stage for finals at nationals and I was slated for either first or second. I secured first in finals when everybody else died out. And I remember right as I was about to go on stage, I had to piss. Like I'd never had a piss in my life. I start pissing on the wall in the pump. Of so <laughs> I, I swear to God. And then next thing you know, everybody else starts pissing. I'm like, what the fuck? It was a, it was a cool memory. That's hilarious. But as I'm doing this, my blood sugar starts plummeting. I'm like, what the, f-? I mean, in a way I never felt. So I fucking, I had, he had me eating Pop-Tarts. So I take the Pop-Tarts, I'm shoving them in my mouth. I mean, it worked out. I think it kind of worked in my favor because at finals, I was a lot better than, uh, than pre-judging. Um, but it was still a great experience. And, uh, you know, even being, having him there in person at nationals, which was really cool. So I like to tell this story. It was yeah. pretty funny. I, when I competed Eastern's, he wasn't there two weeks before. So nationals, my first time going to meet him in his room. I knock on the door. He opens the door at the time he had this big beard. Like he's yeah. like down here. And the room was dark as fuck. Like it was kind of weird. it was really weird. Yeah. So come in. He didn't even say anything. He was just come in. And he sits down in the chair. It's dark as fuck. I'm kind of like nervous. I'm like seeing my coach for the first time personally. Like, why is it wasn't so fucking dark in here? Like, but I could tell like he was fucking serious yep. like, about boxing. And uh so I'm posing and then he's not saying a word the whole fucking time. I go to do a rear double bicep. I rip ass like I've never ripped ass in my life in this pitch black room with Chad Nichols sitting behind me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm so sorry. He starts laughing. He's like, listen, people. he's like, you need to relax. You think that Ronnie's never farted in my room, and uh, and that kind of like softened things up yep. a little bit really cool fucking stories to tell by Nasser and all that. It was just a, it was a really, really cool experience. And even when we won though, he was, he was excited. But okay. We got to go back to work. Yep. Wow. Okay. Like, so a lot of my coaching, uh, minds did come from Oscar, but I learned a shit ton about how I approach my athletes with Chad. You know, obviously, everybody's kind of different with the way I communicate with them. But a lot of the basis of it and the seriousness of it and just that old school bodybuilding mindset, I got from him. So it was was a great, great experience. I mean, there was things we could have done different, but I can't say anything 100% about that because it worked and I turned pro. You know, all right. uh,
0: It's 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 time to dig. It's time to dig. I'm gonna dig because Ross and I are both interested in this next phase of conversation. I'm gonna dig until you don't let me dig anymore, and then I might dig another way. We're going deep. He spills you. He pulls you back. When was your last spill? So shows Saturday. Did you spill on Friday? Did you spill on Thursday?
1: So Friday was the last spill. So and then how did he pull you back? Friday night. I mean, so. It would remember I got them I got to Miami on Monday. We started the process on, yeah, stephen State Friday. Started the process on like Wednesday. And uh I remember every few hours was a burger, like eight ounces of fries, a fucking vitargo shake, a vitargo paste. Yeah. And, in, and afterwards, I would explode, but I'd be watery as fuck. Mind you, I had a dactone in my system, cytodrine. Few hours after, I would come down a little bit. He would hit hit it again. I would fucking come up and then we clean it up with a little Demi So that? By, so it, it's a loop diuretic, it's it's a oh, it's a God. yeah. It's very controllable, it's very short acting. Like it works so, within an hour.
0: Okay? So the way that he's offsetting that potassium elevation from the aldactone and the burger and fries, the fries mainly, is by bringing in a loop diuretic to flush it all out and bring it back down. So you would take the loop diuretic. Its onset was an hour. How would you look after you started pissing out from that? So
1: I, on the money, it started working in 40 minutes for me. I mean, it was, I took five milligrams. I think it was five milligrams. Within 40 minutes, I had to piss and I was pissing, but as I'm peeing, I felt like the soul was leaving my body. I got so fucking tired. Then I would get flat
0: again. But it was like—was that from the potassium drop? You think, Dom? You're getting super tired because you're dropping so many electrolytes. Absolutely. Yeah. Because
1: I never—I used Aldactone once before that, and I didn't like it. Um, so I don't—I didn't even really need Aldactone, but I knew he was going to use insulin and this and that. It was definitely from the potassium for sure. Because as I'm peeing, like the, the fatigue was yep. like everything I've ever felt. But okay. as the days. I got more and more tired, but a little fuller every time. So it got a little bit less flat every time. Um he wanted me to keep sipping water. I did. I could have drank more water. I was just afraid of how much I should have asked. I never really asked. I just did what I was told. Yeah. So, and, by, and so his instructions were just sip water. Sip water. Yeah, that was okay. It. So me, I like I tell my clients how much water to drink. Absolutely. Plenty. Yeah. How much. So from there, I was like, what could I have done different? And that's how I came up with the logic of how much water should I have a an athlete drink and when. So anyways, we get to Friday, and Friday night was the last spill. Um, and I was – I I had pain. I was blasting full, but I had no lines in my body. But that night – Take a Demidex, middle of the night. He had me wake up and to keep my eat a couple of Oreos. It was either four regular <laughs> Oreos or two double stuff. I swear Why? to God. I remember when he told me to do this. I remember when he told me to do this. I was like, "Really?" He goes, "Yes." He goes, "Yes." And I woke up that morning, fucking a little bit flat, but like ready to fucking go. So at pre judging, I was a little more on the flat, so very much on the flat side, but. The way I woke up, it was just mind-blowing to me. And then when we started, we started pushing the food more for finals.
0: And then, you know, finals is where I sealed the deal. Uh, so, I were you a- using Aldactone all week? All week. Yeah. And then Dex was only after certain meals.
1: Yes, correct. Yeah, I forgot I forgot the exact protocol of what we did, but yeah. it, was, it was it was a few. It was, it was like sprinkled in throughout. What's going on with salt?
0: What, is the
1: salt only no, from the absolutely- burger and fries? That's another thing, too, is what I would have done different as well. Yeah. So the problem in fries was I was never told to add salt to my meals. Yeah. So the only salt they had was coming from this fat-free – no, not fat-free vinaigrette. I used that in past preps. Uh, It was was like a a spicy honey mustard that I loved. But it wasn't, it was not, it was, there was no sodium in it. It yeah. was. I was lucky if I was getting a couple hundred milligrams out of it. Wow. So that was another thing I would have done different too, is met, like I had my clients measure their salt per yeah. meal per needs. Um, is so the only salt I had was coming from the burgers, the fries. Um, so that was another thing too. So anytime I did have a clean meal, which wasn't really much, you know, there was barely any fucking salt in it. So it was just constantly up and down, up and down. I said, I can't knock it 100% because yeah. it worked. But it was it was it was interesting. For okay,
0: sure. so let's talk about your athlete's peaks. And again, I'm, I I I might reference back to chat a little bit here too, because I'm just I, I I love having convos like this. Um, so personally, I'm not a big audactone guy. I'm not a big audactone guy in females or males. I don't love it. I do see its effectiveness if you were to add in a loop diuretic with it. I. I don't like lube diuretics. I'm not a fan of them. Um, had to use, I've only used them once in my career, it did work well. It worked very, very well, actually, um, almost too well. It makes you want to keep doing it, <laughs> but it's dangerous. That's a dangerous game to play. And um, are are you? Do you like Aldactone? Are you big on Aldactone? I hate Aldactone. So you diacid.
1: I so I, I. It's the only time I was. Use, I would use Aldactone if somebody really had to make weight. And it's rare I would even use it for that. Or I was noticing that they were having like high out trends in sleep, waking yeah. up much, much uh to way too many fluctuations in weight between night and morning, and there was no other answer for it other than aldastrone. Right. But that was very rare. So di- diazide is usually my go-to. Yeah. I have used Amidex with a few guys. Um, that's because Chad explained to me in depth how to fucking use it and I understood how to use it. And I have to say, the look that it create, I would never do that with everybody. Only people I can trust or I can be there with. Um, so there is safety things behind it you have to take into account. Making sure you're loading your minerals, making sure you're tracking sodium, making sure you're intaking water. Um, it actually goes very well with combining with low doses of, uh, of diazide too because of the way the body uptakes calcium. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously with the diazide you could hold a bit more potassium with it, but it produces a look that is very very unique when you land it like there is a dryness that you will not get with dyes like that you get with say a demodex i don't lasix is way too long acting I never touched I, it. it never yeah. but the demidex is so in and out that it's easy to control so and it's one of the safer loop diuretics as well you're only getting one pass
0: yeah Um uh, so that's, ah, be- that's a huge deal that's a big deal okay right. oh so 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 you you would say uh, I hate blanket statements like this. You would say that the drop in electrolytes from Demidex is less harsh than the drop from a Lasix, correct? Absolutely, because it's out of your system quick. You can control that. That Lasix is just running, yeah. running
1: for hours. Okay. And uh, I think that's why, I don't know, if there's no reason for anybody to use Lasix, especially when we have dyes. But even yeah. Demidex, want to put like a warning out that don't go and try it it's that's yeah, what i was no just way. gonna
0: say don't fucking do this but but i am gonna ask you on air can i pay you for a consultation to teach me how to use dimi decks yes yes we all right can do that. all right we're, oh, we're gonna yeah. schedule that when we're done here because i i i, I that, that would be a nice tool to have okay so peaking you bring in diuretics on what percentage of athletes
1: it really depends on the person like every yeah. this has i so when it comes to peaking I have no strategy. Yep. None, so none. W- when does your process start? So the process, you it depa- again, it depends. Yep. Some people may use nothing. Some people may use a quarter of a die No, 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 no. My,
0: my bad. Wh- um, uh, I, I worded the question on the, the process of the actual peaking. Is it, is it 10 days? Is it seven days? When do you start talking to the athlete about, okay, it's time for us to get you ready for next Saturday at 12 p.m.?
1: So usually about a week out, I start putting things into play on my end. Yeah, but for them, it usually if the show's on a Saturday, it starts on a Wednesday. Got it. So that's when the water manipulation may start. Sodium, I rarely ever touch. I may add in a bit more sodium, but usually that Wednesday is when things re- my goal is okay, let's start bringing down inflammation, let's start bringing down cardio, let's start feeding more. And then we start going meal by meal or every two meals, whatever it requires. So it's usually on Wednesday. Um, I start that process with some people, um, some people, maybe Thursday, but I guess, yeah, I would say Wednesday for a general.
0: When day. you start feeding, do you keep them out of, I, I know it, I know it's case by case dependent. Um, we could use Ross as an example, if you'd like to, let's say, let's say, you know, Ross is ready. He's in shape all, all the bullshit X, Y, Zs are, are taken care of. So something that I loved that Matt did for me when my Kuklo peak was when we started feeding, he would have me go to the gym and train my my weak body parts, which was like my chest, right? So I would have like a six hundred gram white rice meal, and then and, you know a good bit of salt and um, you know water was still high at this time. Once water got cut, like Thursday night, I didn't do anything Friday, but I do know that it's very common. I have my people train a day out if I think it's going to be beneficial. If I don't, then obviously they rest. When you start feeding up, do you do anything like that? Do you do any sort of like weak body part pumping? Do you pose with every meal? What's that process look like in a in the most blanket statement possible, I guess?
1: So posing at every meal is mandatory for everybody anyway. Absolutely. They're gonna have to take pictures of me. And a lot of times I'll give people guidelines. Of how long I want them to pose for, or maybe do eat your meal in an hour, hour and a half or two hours. I want you to do a round and then you're going to do a second round. And that's where you're going to send me pictures or video. That's what I do
0: too. On the second round.
1: (laughs) Just to get the blood and food going. Yeah. But something I started doing last year that worked really well was implementing some very light training at the end. Um, A lot of times in the past training is completely cut off Thursday and, and Friday. Let's rest, let's focus on posing, let's eat. But with some guys, when I didn't have to do crazy amounts of manipulation with water or diuretics, it was good to get them in the gym. Let's break a little bit of a sweat. Let's move the nutrients. And it actually brought a harder, fuller physique because my logic put it was if a week out, if they're training hard as fuck and they look good and they're not overly inflamed, why wouldn't I want to recreate that in an environment where they're resting, they're eating more, you know? So. Again, uh, it depends on the person. So I started doing that actually last year, and it worked fucking great. Um, So that's – like I said, again, it depends on the person. But if you can recreate that same pump and that hardness and that fullness without causing crazy – obviously, not going to the gym and just ripping a workout. It's not what you want to do. Just move some blood around. Get things going. Make them feel good. Get them pumped a little bit. Get them posing. Keep them moving. Um, I see how long it
0: takes them to sweat. I, I, that, that's a big variable that I like. the last few days. It's like, what if they made it through their whole training session, training session, and they didn't sweat, man, we're probably right where we need to be. Cause it's not like posing is going to be more intense than the contractions you just had in the gym, right? It's going to be about the same level of output. And, but if we go into the gym on a Friday and I'm feeding, and we've cut water back a little bit. Like if it's Friday, water's water's not two gallons anymore. <laughs> like I, I guarantee it's not seven liters anymore, right? If we've pulled water back, you know, four, five, three and a half liters, whatever it is, and you're sweating, exercise one, we got work to do. Like we got more work to do than I realized. And sometimes, so I do the same thing with the pictures. Pose a round, pose a hard ass round, and on the second round you send to me, and I'm always asking, "Are you sweating? Do you feel hot? Do you feel anything?" There's just something about, like, there's no adrenaline behind that. And when you're training, there's adrenaline. And when you're posing on stage, there's adrenaline. And that 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 response, that adrenal response is going to, you know, force more water to be released. It's going to force your body to heat up. And so, like, it's hard to get the accurate feedback. Or if I don't want them to go train, like, we're talking about this is a really intense peak. And, you know, water's low. Sodium's hot. We, we need rest. We need more rest. Maybe we had to work a little bit longer than we'd like. I'll have them get, get suited up and go out for a walk outside in the sun. Go for about a mile walk or something and like, hey, are you sweating at all? And like pick it up um, um, that way. But I just wanted to add on to that point. I think there was something else that you were about to add there.
1: Uh,
0: I was so into what, what, what was I going to add? Shit. Let's see, uh, training, training, carving up. Maybe, maybe there wasn't anything else. Um, what about let, let, let's talk about let's talk about how do you Ross? Do you have any questions yet? By the way,
2: uh, I wanted to share uh, yeah. a, a funny story. Yeah. Um, so 2018, my my first prep with Dom, my first real prep with a real coach, the the real national you know show with my coach there having to do the, the posing every two hours after my food first time being super shredded first time taking halo uh, Dom called me Britney Spears because I lost all my hair <laughs> so, again. So, so I'm with Dom and goob in this hotel room in Pittsburgh and I'm not, they're not telling me what I have to do. Like they don't tell me that they that have to pose like I'm going to ex- be expected to pose after every meal. So I am sleeping all day long. Like I'm so tired. So I eat a meal. I go to bed and then John wakes me up. Hey, we got to pose again. And I'm like, what? I'm fucking trying to sleep. That happens every time to the point where they have to leave the room. Cause I'm screaming. I just want to fucking sleep. I just want to sleep going full out. Halo mode. Halo mode. Time, yeah. Every Time that I have to pose. That's that where, is that's hilarious.
1: Got, that's where he got the nickname Halo Ross from, too. I
2: yeah. <laughs> I've never
0: heard and that nickname, but I'm glad I have that
2: now. Justin, have you seen the video of me on stage at no. finals? No. Oh, oh my god, I got to send it to you. Full on Halo mode. I'm posing
0: and I'm screaming. Ah! <laughs> you know, great. hey, you, but but you know what's super funny? I was watching Nick over the weekend at the at the Arnold, and you know Nick is. In terms of the top guys in the IFBB right now, he's the most intense, in my opinion, in terms of just his passion. Truly, like, just passion. Everyone has it. But, man, when Nick's posing, I'm like, this guy is fucking working, dude. His... I feel like his training sessions are so hard that posing is super easy for him, but he's like hitting this, this like crab, most muscular. And I looked at Thomas. He was sitting right behind me. Dom, I'm not sure if you know who Thomas is. He's one of my real, real big guys, real big, super heavies. And I was like, that's halo mode right there, fam. <laughs> like Nick looks like he could have murdered someone in that moment, but like, it's just passion, dude. Like it's, it's just spewing out. Um, Dom going into a show. Uh let's let's keep it on guys. We're kind of we're kind of talking more about guys. We're kind of talking about more of the intense side of things right now. Um going into a show. I don't mind. Um I, I precursor, don't fucking do this unless you have a good coach who knows what's going on. Do not fucking do this. I don't mind bumping Halo to to a high amount and some anadrol to a high amount. Cause usually I'm gonna take the injectables out about Four or five days out, I'll take the injectables out. The only time I won't is if I'm noticing, like, man, you know what? Two days after every time this guy pins Trin and Masteron, he looks awesome. Well, then two days out, I'm going to pin Trin and Masteron, right? Like kind of what you're alluding to with the training. But so let's say we're running Halo 20 milligrams. Let's say we're running Anadrol about 75 milligrams going into a show. I love that, that combo. Super is okay. I like some Super droll. But Anadrol and Halo, that's I love Anadrol Halo. I feel like I know exactly what I'm looking at, exactly what to manipulate. Day before, day of, I don't mind pushing it. I don't mind pushing it at all. I'll go forty, I'll go fifty, I'll go 125, I'll go 150. Do You ever do anything like that? Do you see the positive effect? And let me add one more note. The only reason I'm doing that is because I'm seeing a positive effect. They're lean as hell. We're dropping subcutaneous water. Estrogen is fucking zero <laughs> as it is. So you can't feel worse than you already do. You're mad because every, you're eating a ton of food and you just keep getting hungrier. So it's not like your mood can be affected. And I I find that the look, if someone's ready, continues to just get better and better. There is a moral side of things where like, I'm not going to push 60 milligrams of halo in someone. Um, you know, I I, I I will on a pro stage if we're battling for an Olympia. Uh, it won't be a qualification, but on a regional stage, I'm not doing that. I do have my boundaries. Do you do things like that? You do, you, you, do you notice an increase in the look as you increase orals?
1: Again, again, it depends on the person, but absolutely. I mean, if the orals are real, which I have to put that out there, most stuff out there is complete fucking garbage. Yeah. If it's real, I mean, Anadrol and Halo testing are some of my favorite personal favorites in a prep. Um, so as you're going through that peak process to another thing, again, it depends how the person reacts to the world. Do they get in a, a, a thing I noticed with some people, they get inflammatory response from worlds. So you have to really watch as things go up. But okay,
0: can I add super fast, Dom? Can I add, if you're going to do something like this, you got to blast Tudka. I, did, I just, I just want to add that. I just want to throw that in there. Go ahead. Yeah. Pretty,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, I do notice a difference. So obviously when you have things like halo test, androgens are going to help uptake more, more carbs so the muscles, without, you know, easily, uh, simply put. So I do notice like with certain athletes, you do push that. I mean, honestly, with a lot of guys, I don't like to go over 40 megs of halotestin. I mean, that's top end. I mean, going any more than that, never really seen that much of a benefit from, I think there would be more stress in the body than anything, especially if you have other orals in like an Anazol or a Winnie or all of them or whatever. Um all of them. And- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, some people yeah. already done tools. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. I've done it with myself, you know? So um I'm just being honest. So that's the thing too, is like a dry feel could be a great tool during part. Like you said, it's easily controlled versus super drill. Super drill could be a little bit unpredictable. Yeah, it may cause some guys to get a harder, drier full look. Some guys just have that blasting full look. So it's a little unpredictable with some people. Like you could throw a hail mary with it, and you know somebody's going to get fullness, but what type of fullness is it going to be? But that halo and that win- and, uh, the halo and the anadrol is a great combination with uh, again not everybody, but some people depending on the level to get keep that full, especially anadrol. It's going to keep that fullness mm-hmm. during the in the dehydration process, and then halo testing just going to make it gnarly fucking hard. Um, but one thing I have to say I really like is provirin. Yes. Um, real provirin it's fairly safe for the most part it's not nearly as toxic as a halo or, or angel that you could run fucking hot 150 160 milligrams of it and it's going to get somebody really fucking hard and dry mm-hmm. i have to say i got that idea from honey rambod i know he does that with with a lot of people i tried it years ago it worked fucking great mm-hmm. um, again it depends on the person but those things do have their place later on, especially when you're pulling out injectables, like you said, because that trend is coming out. If they're on a master, if they're on a propionated master on, that's coming out, test may be out. So it's going to help with that fullness, you know, for sure. And during the carb up process. So adding a little bit of training with that, with some people and things kind of inflate a bit, you know?
0: So I, I, I've got to be honest with both you guys. This isn't a very popular opinion. I want to get your guys, both of your thoughts on it. Yours as well, Ross, I'll start with Dom. I'm not using much windstroll anymore. I'm not, and the reason being, um, I see more out of masteron than I've ever seen out of winstrol. Masteron, you know, we can obviously inject it. We can bump that dosage up a good bit. I'll use a masteron enanthate. I'll use masteron enanthate in peak week. Um, I'm not worried about the esters if we're using diuretics. You're, I mean, you're pulling water down that fucking much. Um, I'm, I'm just, not, I'm not worried about it. Um, I'm not using much windstraw because I feel like it saves more for the end of the prep when we can use halotestin and anadrol. And look, straw has an effect. It has a better effect in women than men. Windstraw has an effect, but I haven't been, I, 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 I'm just not using it much. I feel like that leaves the door open for us to get more and quite frank, use more at the end of the prep of the other two orals. Dom, what do you think about that? Is that stupid or you like that?
1: No, I mean you have a good logic behind it. I mean they're both DHT drugs, but when Winnie is real, it has a very unique look to it, especially when you, especially when the person's in shape. Um, Like I said, Masteron, I love Masteron. It's pretty safe. You could run a higher dose if it's going to dry you the fuck out. Same thing with Winnie. However, Winnie, I hear people pushing like two hundred milligrams and three. three, That's like that's obscene to me. But my joints
0: just cracked
1: thinking about that. (laughs) What I have to say is today, the I had the opportunity years ago of trying real Desmo Winchell from Spain, and I know for a fact it was real. That was the injectable Winnie. One mm-hmm. thing I tell people today, unless you could get the I think the Zambons now or Desmos, which is nearly impossible to get, you stick with the oral version. The injectable Winnie. If you can get that real, and I say real meaning pharmaceutical from Spain, because today people make it in their house, you know, you can make oils very easily, pretty safe, but water compounds hold much more of a, of a chance of risking infection. I don't want to risk that. Injectable real Winnie produces a dramatic fucking when I turned pro, I had the Desmas. I mean, it was dramatic. Um, and I only needed 50 milligrams every other day of it. Um so today, obviously when you when you run the winning, you need to run more of it. As opposed to injecting, obviously liver is going to break down some part of it. I like winning with a lot of guys. I feel I feel it's it's fairly safe. You don't have to inject more masteron. Um, but with a lot of people, I there's a big big difference. It just it's a certain look to the muscle versus a masteron look. Masteron has a unique. It's hard because I have this vision in my head. A lot of what I do is instinctual and visualize. Yeah. In my- but there's a certain look that Winnie gives with a lot of guys when yeah.
0: it's real. I've never used what you're talking about. But, Ross, I want to hear your thoughts on what I just said about the Winstral. And then I just realized what the time is. We need to wrap up. But I got one more speaking point for us. Ross, go ahead.
2: Uh, make it quick. I love the way it looks. But when I when I have the Winstral in my body and, and a high dose of anti-estrogens, my joints just fucking – I have no joints. It's like I'm on wood. And, so uh, getting that,
0: out of that gets me to my next point real fast. The anti-estrogens.
2: Yeah. Getting, getting out of bed. I'm just like,
0: yeah. So there's a lot of what I do is about um, like, Hey, what, what's the athlete feel good with, right? Like feel good within reason. Right. I'm not, I don't, I, I don't care if you're like, if you actually feel good physically, you're not going to at the end of a prep, but what do you like the feel of? Man, aromatase inhibitors, there's not a single person on this planet that likes the way that they feel. <laughs> they suck. The minute they get in, they suck. So I I something I've been doing, and and you know, one of my favorite things about this podcast is like I get to talk with you guys. Like, where the fuck else can people go and get this conversation that we've had today? You can't get it because people aren't this open. People won't chat about it. So, Dom, I appreciate you sharing the things you have. I get a lot of flack for talking as openly as I do. But honestly, I think this shit helps the bodybuilding community. And I was around in the early days of the forums where this type of talk was allowed. And so I'm going to keep talking like it until YouTube kicks me off, honestly. (laughs) But um, aromatase inhibitors, they suck. They absolutely suck. I have, um, I... Will openly admit I'm overrunning DHTs to make up for not having to bring aromatase inhibitors, and in, even in a contest prep, and at the end I'm fine, you know, pushing 40 migs, 50 migs, and Olvidex. But I try to do everything in my power to stay away from aromadex, from aromasin. Letrozole's a different one. I don't feel aromadex and Arom- aromadex and aromasin have ever given a look that I like. Like, oh my god, you look so much better from them. I feel like I've seen Letrozole go in and I'm like, oh wow. <laughs> like, that's a different look. Specifically, if Trin is somewhat high or maybe another 19 NOR is somewhat high, even if we have all these DHTs in. Um, not a big aromatase inhibitor guy. I'm not using them in the off-season. I'm just gonna bump DHTs up like I'm talking about. Your final thoughts on this, Dom, before we sign off. So
1: you know, i know this whole so i do use a lot less anti-ease in the offseason with my guys now um especially in like ross's stage right now i mean he doesn't use nearly what he used in the offseason before there's no really and obviously some people need it so the thing too is like i personally feel there's a big difference in look with using i hate to make a blanket statement like this with using anti-ease versus pushing dht drugs in a prep yeah and People they pull up the science about how estrogen, uh, how anti-es do not make you drier, do not make you leaner. But I've tried it all, and it Dude, makes I
2: pee so much at night.
1: Exactly.
2: Like I, it- I wake up if I have a milligram of a uh Remadex, If we're doing like every other day, pushing high that night that I take the full milligram, I wake up extremely dry. I'm peeing like all of it, almost like a a, a diuretic like effect.
1: And they go there. It is right there. So yeah. it definitely keep and i do have a theory that listen they have disproved it with science whatever you want to say that it will take body fat off i mean look at a person who is generally fat overweight i'll see how it is they're naturally higher in estrogen, in estrogen yep oh so, and even look at females and most for the most part most are higher
0: in estrogen obviously more estrogen than men they're, they're not they don't nearly as much testosterone well attention. estrogen can only be aromatized in body fat or the majority of estrogen is aromatized in body fat I mean that gives you the answer right there. Whatever science says, fuck off with it. Go.
1: So look at look at females though. Where do they hold most of their fat for the most part? Lower back, uh, glutes, and legs, especially legs. So for me, listen, Pete. Are they good for you? Listen, none of these drugs are fucking good. No. So if if you don't don't take any of these drugs, if, if I'll put it out there like that, none of them are good for you. But. Um, to get a certain look on stage, some with some people's cases, it, it's required. Yeah, and I've heard other really, really, really top well-known coaches say the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'm talking the male aspect of things, and with females, it's you got hormone manipulation it can be everything. Um, but I do notice a big difference when using an aromedex. I like arimidex a little better than aromasin. Um, you know, don't you use, use you don't use much letro. Not really, very rarely. Yeah. Okay, very depends on the person. Like uh. With Ross we added in last year a little yeah. bit at the um so most people like I said, most people I'll push the arimidex a little bit higher as opposed to just throwing in another Electro. So yep. years ago, years ago, I was throwing in the kitchen sink yep. and guys were getting fucking peeled and dry, but I couldn't get them full enough.
2: And it was just from twenty eighteen sink. What was that? Twenty eighteen. I think we did uh the lethrosol the novadex and the Rimadex could not even move but i was i was so flat but i was fucking peeled yeah
1: peeled peeled and i got this theory from you know not only the coaches i've worked with in the past but looking at what guys i know what certain guys have taken what and in the middle east you see how dry and hard those guys come in they're blasting obscene amounts of fucking i would never touch what they're fucking touching mm-hmm. But there's a certain look that goes along with it. And plus I look today at people, a lot of people who are pulling back in an antis or taking fake antiestrogens, which is another big, and they just don't get that same look,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah. Dom, that was awesome. Ross, I appreciate you being on. This was fantastic stuff. I'm going to have Emily reach out to you immediately. Dom, we're going to get you a schedule. We need a two hour podcast, an hour. We're just scratching the surface. And I have all these talking points that we didn't get into a single one because I, 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 I like it like this because yep. then
1: instead of being so robotic or, but we just went into subjects that naturally arose. So I, yeah. I, I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I thought that was awesome. I appreciate your transparency. We're going to get you scheduled on again for a two-hour one. I would, I would love to have you as a recurring guest here. But like I said, I'm really excited uh, to finally meet you this year in person. Obviously, wherever Ross is competing, I'm going to be there as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Texas behind that big fucking TM logo, baby. Let's get it. Uh, but Dom, I'm going to reach out to you super soon. I want a consultation, uh, uh, like I said, on, on that Demi Dex for sure. But uh, Dom, real quick, where can the people find you at?
1: So Instagram, Dom Cardone, I-F-B-B. That's D-O-M-C-A-R-D-O-N-E-I-F-B-B. That's my Instagram um, or my website, Cardonutrition.com.
0: Yeah, Dom's a big time coach. I would highly recommend him to honestly anybody. And who knows if I compete at nationals this year, maybe Dom's my guy. We'll see. I have been thinking. I talked to Ross about it. I've talked to Ross about it. So we'll see. But all right, guys, I appreciate you. We'll talk soon. As always, leave us a five-star rating and review. I'll see you next time.